Right, I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 12. And John's the author, and he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your word. And what a privilege it is to come to church on a Sunday, to sit under your word and hear what you, through your spirit, has to say to us. Help us, Father, to, to understand your word and help us to embrace these truths and, and fall in love with you and your word so we may show your love to this world. Father, help us to grow up in Christ as well. Help us to walk in the same way as he walked, in the same manner, bearing fruit in every good work. But Father, thank you now for this opportunity to preach. And again, help me to preach faithfully and sincerely. But help us to listen and help us to be encouraged and to be strengthened through your word. Your word is the absolute truth. And it's there to, to help us hold fast these truths so that we can love you and love our neighbor. So Father, thank you that each one of us can be here this morning. I pray and ask this all in. Jesus' name, Amen. We've read verse 12, 13, and 14, and um, you might think you're oh, straightforward, but in some ways, I wish the Lord had come before today because it looks easy, but it's not such an easy passage to preach from, reading around and listening to what other commentators have to say. Because there is a little bit of poetry involved as well. But looking at this, it's a, a John, who's writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, breaks away from some hard sayings and some harsh words that he's been saying to the recipients at the moment. He's saying, if you know God, then you must walk in the light. If you know God, then you must love your brother. If you know God, then you must keep his commandments. Because if you're not keeping his commandments, you're in darkness. If you're not loving your brother but hating him, you're in darkness. So if you say you know him, then you must hold fast those truths. And we've seen that in chapter 1 and so far chapter 2. So this is a, this is a beautiful passage where he, he comforts the readers and he and he encourages them encourages them and he kind of gives them assurance of salvation that yes there's false teaching going on and i've said some hard things but here is some comforting words for you to listen to and remind you that if this is you then you are in christ and you know the father because he's going to continue when we get to verse 15 he continues with some, some harsh, hard sayings. 
If you're a Christian, you cannot love the world. And we'll find out, Lord willing, next week, next week what does that mean. But if you are a Christian here this morning, you belong to God's family. But just like some of the readers here said they know God, but they were still in darkness because what they were doing. So the question is, which family do you belong to this morning? Do you belong to God's family? Or do you belong to Satan's family? There's only two families you can belong to in this world. And I'm talking to Christians because there's Christians out there that say they're Christian, but they live in darkness. How do we know these two families? Well, Jesus confronted the Pharisees who thought they knew God, who said we know God, who were looked upon as knowing God. And Jesus answered them, Abraham is our father. And sorry, Jesus, they answered Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, and what Gareth said there is true. And Mark also said, yeah, if you will be persecuted more for what you say than what you will do. And that's how Jesus was persecuted. They weren't persecuting for healing people, for feeding the 5,000. But as soon as he opened his mouth and he hit them with the truth and did something on the Sabbath like healing, that's when he was persecuted. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Well, Jesus said to them, well, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? He's speaking to the Pharisees. It's, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of the father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Like I said, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they thought they belonged to God's family, they thought they knew God, but Jesus exposes them with these words of truth. So at the end of the day, the question is, which family do you belong to? Some people say they know God, but as soon as you start talking to them about God and His truths, they don't know God. Because of what comes out of their heart. And John is now going to challenge us and encourage us and comfort us to help us to see that if this is us in verses 12, 13 and 14, then we are in God's family. Because like I said, he's already challenged them with some hard truths. So this morning... As we come now to these verses, there are three things from 
what John writes of in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Just look at three things to remind us that we belong to God. Because God, because John has been saying some, some things like, if you, or put it this way, they were being told that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Some, some of the, the false teachers were telling them that, that you haven't sinned, so why are you confessing your sin? Or, or if we say we have no, they were saying we have no sin as well. We, we, we believe in Jesus, we repented, and now we can live as we please. But you can't live as you please. Because if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's some people thinking then, who can be a Christian? I do sin. Does it mean I'm not a Christian? No. If you confess your sin and you're doing it daily, you are a Christian. But if you're practicing your sin, if you say I'm saved and I don't sin, I can live as I please and I can do as I please, licentious, then you are walking in darkness. So John is a loving father to these recipients. John is about, sure, in his 80s, writing this letter. And he has been, from the beginning, with Jesus. So let's look at our first thing that John writes of to remind us that we belong to God's family. And the first thing is our sins are forgiven. And we're going to look at how and in, and in whom. But before we look at that, there's just two things I need to bring to our attention looking at these verses. There's a lot of repetition, and repetition is good. That means what John is saying, he's trying to get their attention. I'm writing to you, I'm writing to you, I'm writing to you. I write to you, I write to you, I write to you. He's getting their attention. That what he is going to say now, listen. Listen to me. And then again, what makes this passage hard is that some people say he's speaking to, to different spiritual maturities in the church. Children, young men, and fathers, infants, children, and adults. But I don't agree with that. I believe, which I have agree with most of the commentators, say no, he's addressing two groups of people. Fathers as the older man. Young men as the younger men and people in the church. And children is the whole congregation. That's how he has been addressing them from the beginning. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, verse 28, and then the rest of the letter as we go, you'll see, little children, I'm writing to you. And we know what he says here applies to everybody. But he also wants to, to make sure that, yes, amongst the congregation, there are fathers, older, they're supposed to be mature, but also depends when they're saved. And there's also young men who can also be mature, strong men, warriors, that are, that, that, that are fighting for Christ 
in how they live and, and in their prayer life. So we're going to see as we look at these, at these three different things. And the first thing that we look at, like I said, is our sins are forgiven. And we see that in verse 12 and verse 13 when he addresses, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And then at the end of verse 13, I write to you children because you know the Father. How do we get to know the Father? How do we get to, to the point where our sins are forgiven? How do we get to be a Christian? The only way you can become a Christian is for God to save you. Just like he saved Paul or Saul on the road to Emmaus. Was Saul looking? Was he looking for God? Was he trying to find God? No. Jesus met with him. Jesus saved him. God saves us because we cannot save ourselves. And it is in His name, in Jesus' name, that we are saved, that our sins are forgiven, and it's in His name that we get to know our Father, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus is the one that said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there is a name, and He's the only name in this universe, in this world, that we can be saved in order to get the, to get to know the true living God. And that puts me on a spot because at the end of the day, all other religions are a myth. They're false. And we have to lovingly tell people that. And be patient with people. And don't say, oh look, our Bible says this, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through, through Jesus. That's why you are not that's why you don't know God. We've got to be gentle, we've got to be loving, and we've got to be sensitive. Because there was a time when people tried to witness to me. And there was a time when I told them to get lost. Sometimes in colourful language. Because they would just want to bomb you. And it all happens in God's time. When He once used other Christians to bring me to him. And I will say through a men's breakfast in hearing the word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. So there is only one name. Acts 2 verse 28 tells us repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 4.12 also tells us this. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And who's that name? Jesus. It's in Him we have salvation. And what is in His name? Well, in His name, in John's letter, He has told us He is the propitiation for our sins. 
He turns God's wrath from us and puts it on Himself. He's our advocate. He was the one from the beginning. And it's through His name that our sins are forgiven. John tells us in verse 12 of 1 John chapter 2, because the sins are forgiven for His name's sake. Do we ever ponder on forgiveness? Because it's the great blessing of the gospel. No one here deserves to be forgiven. No one here deserves forgiveness. But it's through our loving, compassionate Father who sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to die on the cross, to shed His blood for the forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So in verse 12 and 13, I write to you children, I'm writing to you little children, he's addressing the whole congregation and letting them know that if you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, this name, your sins are forgiven and you belong to the Father. And you can cry out, Abba, Father, in your prayers. When we, when we look at um, Ephesians 2, Scripture says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise. And he's talking to the Gentiles. Having no hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Through the blood of Christ, you have been brought into a saving relationship with our Heavenly Father. And what a privilege it is that we can now speak to our Father in prayer and do as Matthew writes, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What a privilege it is to pray. What a privilege it is to know God as our Father. The church actually needs to reclaim fatherhood. The gospel is all about what our Father has done for us through His Son in His Spirit. And it's in Jesus that God the Father is gathering a people to worship Him eternity. Someone said the message of the gospel is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sin. So if you're sitting here this morning... And I say, little children, it can mean something to you. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've repented, your sins are forgiven, because you put your faith and trust in His name, then you know the Father, and you can have assurance of salvation. So John is addressing everybody in the congregation when he says, little children and children. Those who know God are fully forgiven. And their sins through Jesus Christ are forgiven. And they belong in God's family. There was something here, little children, also reminds us 
or there's lots in the name children or child because it shows humility it emphasizes humility and also our utter dependence on our father we are children just like your children are dependent on you dan and mom when it comes to looking after them taking care of them they're utterly dependent on you and we are utterly dependent on our heavenly father for his provision every day not in our strength but in his spirit the second thing that john writes to to remind us that we belong to god's family is you have come to know god which is in verse 13. so now he's addressing the fathers and i would say there are the fathers are the older men in the church but he's also addressing mothers they are the older women in the church as well and he says i'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning i write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning and when he addresses the church the, the, the fathers he's not well you should pick it up now for what i've said is not addressing fathers who have children if we want to look at what does john mean by the word father we just have to read what paul says to timothy in 1 timothy chapter 5 where he writes to timothy and paul advises timothy how he should relate to an older man and paul writes do not rebuke an older man but encourage him as you would a father young men as brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters in all purity what these verses are telling me in 1 timothy chapter 5 1 to 2 how we go to someone if they're an older man or a younger man older woman or a younger woman how we go to them is so important that we go to them in love how we rebuke or correct an older man we do it in love as we would treat our own earthly fathers and sometimes the truth the church loses perspective on how they're supposed to go and discipline someone how they're supposed to go and correct someone if you go and correct a young christian you go to them as a brother in christ and then you bring a whole different dimension in your attitude and your character that we don't always sometimes just hit them with harsh words and with with anger that we do it in love but if we get it wrong we can ask god to forgive us as well but there is a role for fathers to play in the church some of these fathers could be serving as elders older men normally serve as elders in the church because they have matured they have grown from the day they were saved and they walked with god through reading the bible but then there's also some some fathers that are immature because or older men that are immature because they come to know god later on in life a 65 year old man or 70 old man might be saved 
right at the end of his life. But we should still see him as a father, as an older man. But he might not be mature and wiser as some of the older men that have been walking with God for 30, 40 years. So we have to know that in our church, there are fathers and mothers, older women and older men, that we should look up to and learn from. They should be setting the example. They should be showing fatherly love and motherly love to the younger women, just like Paul addresses Titus in Titus chapter 2. Our fathers must relate to young men. Our our mothers must relate to young women and help them love their husbands. But he's reminding them again. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him. And you know him who was from the beginning. They're not going back to the beginning of creation. Some of these fathers, some of these old men knew Jesus when he walked in the flesh. They knew him from the beginning of his incarnation when he was God in the flesh. It must have been amazing to, 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 to witness that. The Son of God walking on earth and then one day coming to a saving knowledge of Him and then looking back maybe 50 years later and seeing what a great man. Hold on to those truths. Look how He loved. He was the greatest example of godliness. They have known Jesus from the time that he was in the flesh as the word of life. Like someone said, all Christians know Jesus, that is, they are in a saving relationship with him. All Christians, including fathers, know Jesus equally. We all yeah, know Jesus equally. But we're all on a different level of, of, of experiencing blessings and walking with Jesus in, in, in maturing, in maturing, etc. Because as we walk with Jesus from every day, we should be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should know him more intimately and deeper so that we can encourage one another. So yeah, John addressed the fathers and our second thing was they have come to know God. And everybody in the congregation has come to know God. Even the little children or the children, the congregation. This applies to all of us. And then as we come to the third thing that John writes to remind us that we belong to God's family, and the third thing is you have overcome Satan through the Word. So now he addresses young men. But again, like I said, everybody has overcome Satan. But here he's, he's picking out young men, the, 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 the younger folk, young men and women. He says in verse 13, I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Well, the day you were saved, we all overcome came the evil one. The day that God saved you, you're no longer walking in His ways and doing His will. You now have turned. You've repented. 
turn from your sins and now walk in faithfully in God's way. But there's an ongoing battle. There's an everyday battle. Because we're not just saved and now we can do as we please. We're not just saved and God's going to fight our battle. No, we, there's a human responsibility. We've got to be strong. And the only way we can be strong is if we're in God's Word. So God can remind us and God can encourage us. Just like He said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because Joshua was a little bit timid. So was Timothy. I'm not giving you a spirit of timidity, but of, of, of power, of love and of strength. And he's reminding these young men, you have overcome the evil one. Why? Because you are saved. But now you must stand strong. And you can overcome the evil one as you walk through this perverse dark world because of the word of God that is in you. We can also say because, that, because Christ is in you. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God. And he who is in me is far greater than he who is in the world. And he helps me overcome the evil one. How did Jesus overcome the evil one in the, in the wilderness? Scripture. The word was in him. The word should be in us. We should be saturating our minds and our hearts with God's word. So we may not sin against him. We should be in God's word every day so we can get to know God. And we can get to do his will. And his will is for us to walk faithfully and humbly with him. Fighting sin, fighting temptation, fighting the world, fighting flesh. Because John doesn't let up when he gets to verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. When he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What does that mean? Well, Lord willing, we'll see next week. I sometimes think, and maybe I'm wrong here, is that we take our salvation for granted and we just assume because we've prayed something or we've repented and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we now can take a seat back. Think God is going to do it all for me. We're kind of living in a world where let go and let God. I think we've got to, we've got to put on the full armor of God. That's what Paul writes to in Timothy and in, in, into the church of Ephesus. Put on the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord. There's that word, strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We live in such a dark world, but we don't really believe that at times. 
Satan, the world, and the flesh wants to strip you of your godliness and your life with Christ. That's why we need to, in all circumstances, we need to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's how we overcome the evil one. And we overcome the evil one because God's word is in us and we can fight this fight. What else can we do? Well, we can take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We can use the Spirit as a sword and we can fight off others and Satan as he comes and he shows you. So he gets hold of your eyes, the, the desires of your eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. He's going to show you everything's beautiful. It's attractive. Even starts coming into your home and look, Christianity is boring. You need to spice it up. We need to be in God's Word daily so we can stand up in the morning and fight this good fight for the sake of His name. One commentator said, Satan is no cartoon figure. He's the enemy of God and of the people of God. If Satan wants to do one thing, he wants to take down this church. If Satan wants to do another thing, he wants to take down your testimony. If Satan wants to do another thing, he wants to destroy Christianity. Because he rules at the moment. He's the Prince of Peace. But he thinks he does. Because we know who is sovereign. Our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit, the Triune God, rules sovereignly over him and all of us. And if we're not in Christ, in his word, then we, won't, then we will not experience our victory that we have in Christ. Satan is the defeated enemy, not us. We walk around like we are defeated every day by him. So the young men and woman that he addresses. He wants them to, to, to remain strong. Don't listen to these false teachers. Don't fall into their teachings. Stand firm. Stand strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure His word is in you and hold fast His gospel, the gospel of truth. Because you have overcome the evil one already in your salvation, but you need to continue to overcome the evil one in your walk. So these three things that we've looked at this morning, our sins are forgiven, we have come to know God, we have overcome Satan through the Word. And we've heard them this morning so that they can remind us that we belong to God's family. And hopefully we will take comfort in these three things. God isn't looking at perfect people. We will sin. We will fall into temptation. We will sometimes walk in unbelief. But what are we doing about it? If we know God and we are in the light, we can keep trusting Him. We can keep confessing our sin. I'll close with Romans chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 14, as we look to the cross. Because there we should be humbled. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 14. You can all turn there if you have your Bible on phone or in your hand. 
Because on the cross, Jesus brought us into a, a saving knowledge of God, his Father. And verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Who's leading you? The devil or the Holy Spirit? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these verses that were penned by John, inspired by your Spirit, or writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would examine our own hearts, again, to see whose family we are in. Are we in your family? If these things in verse 12, 13 and 14 are true to our hearts, then we're in your family. If we're not, then we're in Satan's family. We need to repent. And we need to turn back to walking in your ways, in the light and not in darkness. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for unbelief. Forgive us for our sins, our wickedness, our flesh, our, how we fall into temptation, how we fall and get sucked into the world. We get lured into doing things of the world because it's attractive and nice. And at times we forfeit our walk with you. Father, be merciful to us. I thank you again for the comfort and encouraging words, for the assurance of salvation. If we have these truths in our hearts, we belong to your family, and we know you as our Father, and we can cry to you, Abba Father. So Father, thank you. Have mercy upon us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.